Hey everybody, welcome back to our next episode of Ramsey's Rock and Roads. My name is Scott Ramsey. I'm joined here with my comrade in the uh, podcasting world, Shane Springer, and uh, we're happy to be here. So, last episode we went through my childhood. I kind of let you guys into my closet in my childhood, all the way into the inception of Ramsey Asphalt. And uh, I'm sure Shane's got some pictures in episode one that he posted up there of uh, me in my younger days, and we all can laugh about that. This uh, skinny, lanky, goofy-looking teenager. So we'll all laugh about that. Anyways, here, episode two, we're going to talk about the next few years of me starting a business and the, the highs, the lows, the blood, the sweat, the tears, and all the above. So take it away, Shane. We're going to run this Q&A again. So take it away, Shane. So we're going to start with the, the growth period from 2002 onward. Okay, 2002. All right, so here we are. Now, um, by the end of, well, I'm going to backtrack a little bit because I know one of, the first, one of the last questions you asked in the last episode, Shane, was how many employees I had. I started out with zero employees. Um, wish we could all go back to those days again, but anyway, we can't. Um, so by the end of 1999, I had pretty much a full crew of five, six, seven guys. And by the end of 1999, we were full ensconced in striping uh, with, with, uh, with some help from a good friend who remains a good friend, Rob Archie. He helped me buy my first seal coat truck. Actually, he had a seal coat truck that he was selling. He didn't know me from Adam. And we had a few conversations over the phone and he told me, hey, Scott, come and pick this truck up and I'll finance it for you. Who does that? Like I said in, my first, in the first episode, guys, when you work hard, opportunities somehow present themselves in the weirdest ways. I mean, who's, what bank is going to finance you not knowing anything about you? Uh, what friend is going to finance you? Very few friends. Now, another question, what stranger? Rob Archie was a stranger. He didn't know me. So anyways, we've, I've had some lucky breaks. And uh, so anyway, by the end of 99, had a full crew of guys and went through 99 and 2000. And I would say during this period of time, my biggest struggle was pricing. So in the early, I, I mentioned that we were doing everything through QuickBooks. But early on, I tried to figure out, okay, how do we price our services? I mean, I can get all my hard costs. I know how much asphalt costs. I know how much the trucking costs. I can rent a John Deere tractor. Um, there's so many, there's, there's a lot of hard costs there. But then at the end of the day, you say, well, what's our overhead? Who knows? We have no history. We have no data to figure out what our overhead is. And then more importantly, what do we want to make? So in my early years, and this is where a lot of us technicians go wrong is we look at what we were making in our day jobs and we were happy with that. Hey, I was making a hundred bucks a day or Hey, I was making 200 bucks a day, whatever it was. And we were happy with that. Well, we carry that over into our business life in the business world. It doesn't work like that. So the end of 1999 financially, I was all right. But then going into 2000, I carried the same estimating tactics into 2000. Now we're starting to get a little, we're starting to get bigger jobs. 
Now we're starting to do, instead of doing these little $200 restripe jobs, now we're doing $5,000 seal coat jobs, $2,500 seal coat jobs, $10,000 asphalt jobs. And I was still estimating the same way that I did when I first started, which was I, figure out, I figured out all my hard costs. And then I said, well, I'd like to make 200 bucks a day. So I would add on $200 a day to that proposal. Well, not knowing anything about business. And as I mentioned, I started the business without a business plan. And by the end of year 2000, I'm barely two years into this thing, Ramsey Asphalt made zero money. And I think I ended up going into the winter of 2000, owing people money because I was figuring 200 bucks a day. I didn't have my overhead right. And so to you contractors out there, this is something we ha you have to figure in. You gotta remember there's insurance. And that's the one thing that we always forget. We forget about our insurance. We forget about our fuel. Fuel is a huge thing right now. The asphalt, the crack fill, the seal coat, all those costs are hard costs. Those are easy to figure out. But we have to figure out, and this is the hard part, and, and guys, it's taken me 25 years to really figure it out, and, I've, and I haven't figured it out. I have people that help me figure it out, but we have to figure in our overhead costs. So going into 2000, I told myself, I said, okay, if I'm gonna make it another year, I have to really figure this out. And I started just reading books. Believe it or not, I can read. I could read at the time, even though they let me, they barely let me out of high school. I could read. And so I started reading books and I started looking at how people figure out cost of, cost of service, cost of goods. And what they do pretty much unanimously, whether you're Apple computers, selling cars, installing carpet, paving contractor as I was, there everything's on a percentage basis. Now this was a new phenomenon for me. This was a this was something something I knew nothing about. And so what I had to do is I had to go back to the drawing board and I had to try to take my overhead and put that into a percentage. And I learned this early on really quick. Luckily I did, otherwise I was literally gonna be out of business before I even really got going. So I took my overhead and I said, okay, well last year I did, let's just use a number of $500,000 in sales, which is probably back in that day what it was. I remember, I remember I had a goal my first year. I had a goal my first year was to do more sales than my grandfather's company, my grandfather's company did. And I did, I met that goal. I think the biggest year my grandfather ever had was like $220,000 in gross sales in a year. And I hit 255,000 and, and man, I got a big head on my shoulders and I was right on my way. <laughs> Coming into 2000, I lost money. So um, yeah, that, that balloon got poked real quick and uh, my head shrunk. So then 2001 was kind of a pivotal year where I had to really figure out my overhead percentages. And I looked at my overhead and I said, wow, this is scary. This was the first time running Ramsey Asphalt in two years because the first couple years were fun and exciting. Third, going into the year three, I looked at my overhead and I backed into the percentage and I realized, I said, oh my God, just to cover overhead and just to provide a roof over my head, I have to do a million dollars in sales. And the year prior, I did 500,000. 
So I said, okay, now back to the lab and back to figuring out how we're going to do this. Now it's sink or swim. My overhead is X. My last year sales was Y. And those two numbers are dramatically different from one another. And here in California, it really doesn't matter. There is, there is super high costs on everything. And these costs have to be built into a job. So once I figured out the overhead, then I put into percentage what I wanted to make. Is it 5%? Is it 10%? Is it 15%? Is it 20%? Well, as life progresses and as the business grows, your percentages are going to grow. So the first year of me being really, really nervous and really, I'm just going to say it outright, I was really scared. I was outright scared because overhead was X. My last year sales were Y and I had a lot of room to cover in the middle to make up that difference. So I was okay with adding. So my, I figured my overhead's 15%. So whatever the job is, $5,000 job, that's my hard cost. I have to add 15%. On top of that, just to break even, just to pay my overhead costs, keep the lights on, and pay the bills for that job, I have to add 15%. So now being, me being conservative, knowing I have a lot of ground to cover, I said, okay, I'm happy with 5%. Hell, I'd be happy with 2% at that time. But 5% was the number I picked. So I took my numbers, $5,000, let's use easy numbers, just so I don't have to get on the calculator, $10,000 job that hard costs, 15% of that, $1,500 was overhead. Now the job's at, what is that, $11,500. Is that my right, uh, Shane? Is that my math right? Okay. So now, now, the, the, now the cost of that job is $11,500. Now let's take another 10%, which is $1,150, has to be added on top of that. So I make a little money. So now, that $10,000 job has to be, what is that, 13 and change? So let's just go with 13 and change. Now that is to pay my vendors, to pay my overhead, and for me to be able to have money for myself, to pay my rent, to pay, go to lunch, uh, be able to eat dinner at night. So that $10,000 hard cost job has to be $13,000. It just, that's the way it has to be. So going into 20, 20 uh go yeah 2000 going into 2001 i figured this out pretty quick now my goal for that year was to hit the phone books hard and we did that's part of our overhead we had full page ads in the phone book and all of you guys out there remember the phone book ads you know, the phone book people would come around and, oh, you know, they're not really supposed to tell you, but they say, hey, your competitor's doing, doing a double truck. You better do a double truck. And then it's just the vicious cycle. And I think at one point, I think, and I'm kind of embarrassed to say this to the world, but I, I want to say at one point, and this is in the mid 2000s, for all the phone books we were in, I want to say our phone book per month advertising bill was like $5,000 a month. Now, $5,000 in 2004 and 2005 is much different than it is now. And so that was pretty big money back in the day. But that was our main means of advertising. That was our main means of generating phone calls. So that's what we all did. And who got the most calls was based on the biggest ads. And uh, the biggest ads cost the biggest money. And the phone book people were really clever and they had all the stats. 
But I have to say they were correct. They were correct in the phone book ads because if you weren't top three in the phone book, you weren't getting calls. And so I've carried that over to now, here we are, 2022 with Google. If you type in Santa Maria paving or Santa Maria asphalt, if I don't come up in the top three, I'm not getting a call. And so all of you guys across the nation, when, you're, when people are searching Yelp or people are searching Google or whatever search engine is in your area, if you're not in the top three, you're not even, you can just pretty much assume you're not even being looked at. I don't mean to be harsh, but that's just the cold hard fact. So going back to 2001, I always want to say 2011. Going back to 2001, I had a, I had a plan. I had a plan and so we're hitting the phone books hard. I'm still out in the streets handing out business cards. I'm still taking side jobs where I can take side jobs. I have a crew of guys that I'm trying to keep fed and it's just push it, push it, push it, uh, hustle, hustle, hustle. And we were, we were doing, we were doing a pretty good job growing the company. And one day I realized that I want to take the company to the next step. And the only way, and this is my naivety at the time, the only way I could figure that would be, it was always something external and it was nothing internal. Um, you know, as, as the quote, the famous quote goes, if you want to change the world, change yourself first. And I never really could grasp that, grasp that concept. I was, I was too young and dumb and, and, and very naive. And, and so I've come to learn that if there's anything in my business or my life that I want to change, change myself first and then everything else falls into place. So being, being ignorant as I was back then, I called up one of my good friends, Scott Santella, and I tell this story to everybody. I, I called Scott Santella, who remains a really, really good friend to this day, and I said, Scotty, I need to take you to lunch. And we went over here to Applebee's. We all love Applebee's. And uh, he said, yeah, sure. I mean, he's not going to turn down a free lunch. So we went over to Applebee's and I said, Scott, I need your advice. I said, I respect you as a salesperson. And back in the day, Scott Santella was selling cell phones and he was number one uh, in the whole Central Coast, dynamite guy, uh, remains and he's still in sales to this day. And I, so I told Scott Santella, I said, hey, I need your advice. I need to, in order to take Ramsey Asphalt to the next level, I need to hire a salesperson, but I don't know what to look for. I don't know when I'm interviewing this guy. I don't know what to ask. And he said, well, tell me about your business. And I said, what? He said, tell me about your business. Tell me all that you know about Ramsey Asphalt. Well, I said, okay. So I started talking about Ramsey Asphalt and I kind of got excited about it. And I told him what we do and what we do different and why we do this and why we don't do this and why we, what, why we tell the customer this and why we don't tell the customer that. And I was really, really excited. Now you guys got to remember those of you that, that, that don't know me, you think of me as being a really exuberant guy and I'm very outgoing, which, which at the end of the day, I'm very not, I'm actually, I revert, <laughs> I'm very much an introvert. I, I like to be quiet. When I go to parties, I'm the guy over in the corner that's like over by the punch bowl. You know, who's that weirdie in the corner? Oh, that's Scott Ramsey over there. But um, so by nature, I'm an introvert. So I got really excited at lunch with Scott Santella this day. And uh, toward the end of the conversation, Scotty says, Scott, 
you are the best salesperson for Ramsey Asphalt. And I said, no, 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 Scott, you don't understand. I'm here to get your advice on hiring a salesperson. And he repeats himself. He says, Scott, you are the best salesperson and you will always be the best salesperson for Ramsey Asphalt. And then I sat back in the booth and I said, Scott, what are you talking about? Uh, I'm looking at hiring a sales guy. And he, he once again, he says, no, Scott, you are the number one salesperson for Ramsey Asphalt. And I said, I'm not a salesperson. I'm an asphalt guy. This is all I know and this is what I'm really good at. And Scott says, yeah, but if you wanna take the business to the next level, you need to be out there hitting the streets and you need to be selling your product yourself. And I said, I don't even know the first place to start. And, he, and Scott says, well, first of all, just be yourself. Talk to your customers like you just talked to me. I mean, you've been getting work for two years now. And I said, well, yeah, I've been getting work for two years, but it's been a struggle. And he says, well, here, this is what you're gonna do. <laughs> I like friends like this, this is what you're gonna do. And I'm telling all of you guys out there, this is what you're gonna do. You're gonna do what I did. Well, now it's a little easier because now we have our cell phones. Now we have this cool thing called Audible. You don't have to go down to Barnes and Noble and buy a cassette tape or go down to Barnes and Noble and buy a CD. Now you got Audible right at your fingertips. So what I did is what Scott Santella told me to do, he says, you go to Barnes and Noble tonight, you look up Zig Ziglar and go to the self-help section and the self-improvement section and the self-help guru, which is something I knew nothing about. I never knew that this world was out there. I never knew there was this thing called PMA, positive mental attitude. I didn't know there was any of this stuff. And all of this stuff goes back to the late 1890s when, um, when, when all of this was coming mainstream. You, you had Carnegie and Napoleon Hill and Rockefeller and, and, and all of these guys were coming on scene and there was something to it. And so not knowing that this stuff had been around for the last hundred years, I went to Barnes and Noble and I went to the self-help section, which the self-help section is <laughs> a little cubicle in the corner. And I went and I found Zig Ziglar. And to my surprise, there was several sets of Zig Ziglar. So I just bought one for $9.99, one cassette tape, <laughs> that, that, uh, that old Dodge pickup truck that, that Shane posted a picture of earlier. Uh, had had a cassette tape in it and since then I literally have been hooked that very first cassette tape I bought is Zig Ziglar's how to get what you want and I actually have a copy of it on my audible whenever I'm having a bad day I, I, I turn that that is always my good it's only 45 minutes long and Zig Ziglar's in a big rally and he goes through a gamut of ideas and a gamut of, of self-help that can't do anything but get you in a good mood and get you pumped for the next sale. And so ever since then, I've been hooked. And I have to admit, Scott Santella is right. Here we are 25 years, 24 years later, and I have several salespeople working for me. And to this day, I still remain to be the number one top salesperson for Ramsey Asphalt. So um, that's how I got started on self-help. That's how I became a salesperson and that's how I how how I serve my customers even to this day next question Shane after you realizing you needed to branch into sales division were you concerned about other aspects of the work performance yeah good question yes I was very scared because my first my the first thing in Applebee's when Scott Santella told me 
Scott, you have to be the sales guy. My, my first thought, my first thought went to, well, who's going to do the work? If I'm out there selling, who's going to do the work? And so, yeah, so I was confronted with this, this dilemma of who's going to be out there doing the work and while I'm out there selling. And so this is where a lot of faith comes in and this is where a lot of trust comes in where, and this is where a lot of peeling back the layers of the banana comes in because there would be times would, when, when I was out in the field working with the guys all day and then I had to cut out at one o'clock or noon or 11, 11 a.m. because I had a sales call I had to be on. And I would tell Mikey and the boys, I'd say, Mike, you guys got to finish this job, get it done. You know what I expect, get her done. And I'll see you at the yard later on this afternoon. And that's where the utmost trust comes in. I had to relent and just say, I trust that you guys are going to get this job done. And what I meant by peeling back the layers of banana is when you're out there on the job and you're working in the trenches side by side, these boys, these boys and ladies, you're going to, you're going to see the guys that shine. You're going to, you're going to see the guys that really step up and take charge of the job and say, Hey, I'd like this responsibility. Now you, and also the, the other side to that is you're going to find the guys that really don't want that responsibility. And there was times back in the early days where I would have the guys, everything couldn't be laid out better for the guys. Hey guys, I got you started. Now you're going to do this and this and this. We're done for the day. Go back to the yard, make sure it's coned off, make sure it's caution taped off. And I couldn't have a, I couldn't have a better, well laid out plan for the boys. And I'd get calls that afternoon and they still somehow screwed it up. And so it was just one of those things where that was once again, a, a growing process for me to learn how to manage the guys and get the right guys in place. If, if I'm going to continue on this road of being a salesperson, running the crews, bouncing back and forth, it's just a matter of finding the right guys. And there are those guys out there that want that kind of responsibility. Hit, fire away, Shane. Uh, at which point did you realize that you couldn't do it all on your own and what happened at this point that was pivotal? Um, well, I, yeah, that was a cr major, major crossroad, major crossroad in my life because I realized with the company being new, me being new, my guys are, my guys are new. Um, I still wanted to continue to grow the company and my philosophy that I have to this very day that I, that I drive, I drive everybody crazy with is if a company is not growing, it's dying. And so even to this day, Ramsey Asphalt has to continue to grow in some way, shape or form, whether it's the way we're handling the public, the way the office answers calls, the way it could be our bottom line, our revenue, our profitability, whatever it might be, whatever our goal is for that year, it has to be a goal of growth. Otherwise I feel like we're dying and we're going to lose market share. And for me, that's unacceptable. So at this point, I realized that I realized that I was getting good enough at sales because now we're probably a year, 18 months later, and I've listened to Zig Ziglar and Tom Hopkins, and I've been to some seminars. I've, I've, at this point, I have thousands of hours of listening to these guys, and I feel like I can, 
I'm well, I'm well versed enough to where I can train a salesperson to where I can sell part time. I can still work with the guys training a crew part time. And then my idea was to really bring on, uh, bring on an estimator that, that I could use my, what I've learned and, and help them go out and sell jobs. So that was kind of a crossroad where I wasn't able to service the customer as well as I could. And I felt if I did bring on another salesperson that I could help that salesperson to where we could cover different areas and, and, uh, help, help do central coast world domination and asphalt. Next question. If uh, there is any more in, questions. In closing PCA. Yeah. So as I said, in this episode, in the last episode, our pilot, I said, when you work hard and you really push yourself to the brink, opportunity lends itself to you. I don't know how it works. I really don't, guys. I don't know how, the, how this works. Divine intervention, higher power, the universe, nature, I don't know how it all works. But when you're willing to put forth effort and you're willing to really, really work hard, opportunities present themselves and I had this really really weird opportunity and it's a quick story that I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say in closing um, my dad and stepmom and family decided to move in uh, 2002 after my or 2000 yeah end of 2002 when my baby sister graduated from Santa Maria High they decided to move back to North Dakota North Dakota being the most desirable place in the world to live don't ask me why they said that, but they said that. Um, <laughs> and uh, my dad and stepmom are watching any of this um, and no hard feelings there. But anyways, they, they learned pretty quick. They wanted to come back to California and they ended up coming back to California. But 2002, best place to live was, was uh, Minot, North Dakota. They moved back to Minot, North Dakota. I helped them move back there. I drove a truck and uh, my dad drove a car or a truck. My dad drove one car and I drove the U-Haul and made it all the way back to Minot. Well, from there, I flew back to Santa Maria, got back to Santa Maria, flew into Santa Barbara Airport. Soon as we landed, I turned on my cell phone and all of a sudden I had a bunch of messages from employees of one of my competitors, um, Pacific Coast Asphalt. And so I start calling these guys and, and I've been working with these guys. I, I, I was doing striping for them. They would go out and pave and seal coat and then I would come in and do the striping. So I knew all these guys first name basis and, and, and all of the employees of Pacific Coast were calling me and, and asking me for work. And I said, wait a second, guys, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna steal you away from John. John's a personal friend of mine. John Maxwell is a personal friend of mine. I'm not stealing you guys away. And they said, and in their, in their broken English, they were trying to explain to me that John, no moss, John, no moss. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Well, I don't understand. So I said, let me call you back. So I hung up the phone. I called John and I said, John, what's, what's going on here? I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm in twilight zone. And John said, Hey Scott, I'm getting older. I've been doing asphalt for 50 years. I'm just tired of it. I'm over it. I went to my family and they just suggested that I'm at, I'm at the point where I should just sell everything off go get a job and just figure out what I'm going to do for retirement. And I said, John, I said, this something just doesn't sound right here. Let's go to lunch. I just got back from North Dakota. Let's go to lunch. And we're at the end of the season. I think this was like November, December of 2002. So I go to lunch with John and John says, yeah, he says, and, and, and I'm in a little bit of a bind because I've got about six or eight jobs I need to get done. But I laid off all my guys, all my equipment's parked. He says, you think you want to do some jobs? 
you can use all my equipment. It's just sitting over there at the yard and all the guys I'm sure are happy to come to work. And I said, well, yeah, I mean, I, let's, let's do it. So, and John said in that, in that conversation, John said, simply just, you know, do the jobs. If there's a couple bucks left over, give me a couple bucks and away we go. And I said, okay, no problem. Well, as my marbles were spinning in my head, which is kind of a dangerous thing sometimes, um, I went, I called John later and I said, John, um, why don't you just come work for me as an estimator full time? And you know, we'll figure out some kind of commission structure. I'll figure out what you need to survive and we'll, we'll convert that into a commission and, and I'll pay you. Uh, obviously I'll pay you for these jobs and, and going forward, I'll get you a pickup truck and, um, we'll go forward and, 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 um, you can estimate for me. And so at this point in time, here we are 2000, now we're in 2003 and the company was started as Ramsey asphalt maintenance and I acquired John's equipment and his customer list. And now we're seal coating, striping and paving. And I immediately changed the name to Ramsey asphalt construction. And that's how we got into full blown paving grading at that point. John Maxwell at this point was an estimator for me and I acquired all of his guys. I still had my guys and away we went. So anyways, that's enough time. We're at our 30 minute mark. I hope, hopefully Shane can edit this damn thing down to like 20 minutes. So it's not a bore for you guys. But like I said, comments are welcome. If you want to subscribe, subscribe, uh, thumbs up is great. Thumbs down is okay with me as well, but comments, questions, any way I can help you guys, uh, let me know and I'll see you in episode number three. Thank you guys.